0: With me in your Bible, if you would please, to Luke's Gospel chapter 2. I'm going to be brief, I promise you. Luke's Gospel chapter 2. We have to live life astonished at God's love and acceptance of us. If we don't live life astonished, That we're accepted before the Father just based on Jesus and not based on us. We'll never share the love. Because if we think we're accepted to the Father based on us, that's the way you'll share the gospel. You'll share the gospel telling people they got to qualify and be good enough to be accepted by him. But if you can believe the gospel and be astonished that you're accepted to God just based on Jesus, and that grips your spirit and renews your mind, it kind of bubbles up in a way that's hard to explain. And uh, this is what I want to talk a little bit about, sharing the love, communicating the message of the cross in word and deed. Your witness or your witnessing is not a work. It's not something you have to put on to try to convince anybody, but it's something that's a natural overflow of what you've received and continue to receive and continue to believe concerning the truth Of God's love for you, and that's what I want to try to explain from the little simple text that we have. Because I'm going to tell the story about when God chose to announce the coming of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was going to take away the sin of the world, the one who's going to pre-approve the human race before the Father, the one who said, "I'm going to go away," and He speaks of that the night before He. Was, you know, betrayed and went to the cross. He said, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you in the Father... And when I come again in the risenness or resurrection of Jesus, it's validated that you have a place secure in the Father through the work of one. Now, this is astonishing love that makes no sense to we merit-minded people, because we live in merit-based cultures where everything in this life is based on us. But everything in the unmerited based of the world of the kingdom of God is based on Jesus. And it's based on us believing and receiving this kind of radical love that transforms us to live in accordance with his character or actually to say it in a better way to allow his life or his love to be expressed through us and it's a beautiful thing so when it was announced on that day that Jesus was born God chose to use the heavenly choir an angel to announce the news to some people that some would say were nobodies. He didn't announce Jesus' coming necessarily to the high and mighty that night, but he came to shepherd boys out in the field working the night shift. Right? So they were working the night shift, watching the sheep. And can you imagine the surprise of that angelic choir that filled the sky in the announcement of this Savior and this Jesus? But notice one phrase. Luke 2, verse 12, in this announcement, this is what the angel says the Bible says this will be the sign this will be the sign everybody say sign Sign. this will be the sign to you notice it's personal see a sign tells you where you are a sign can tell you where to go (laughs) a sign can give you clarity a sign can give you comfort when Heidi and I flew in Friday to Oakland got off the plane there were a lot of signs most signs never grab my attention Because I don't yield or give my attention to them because they don't relate to me. But the signs that tell me the baggage claim sign, that's the one I followed. (laughs) Right? The sign that my heart was attached to is the one that takes me where I need to go. But God uses a sign that's to you. Now, if you don't understand the sign or if you don't interpret the sign properly, you're never astonished at what you got. And you never settle into the comfort of his work. So you live your whole life based on your work. And there's a whole different type of lifestyle in the kingdom for those who see the sign right. Because it makes your life, the sign makes your life a witness. You don't, you don't work now to witness. Your life now is a witness from the bubbling over of the joy of what you see in the sign. You know, a lot of times we need to help seeing signs. Yesterday, your wonderful pastor, my big brother, and his beautiful bride, they took Heidi and I to San Francisco. And uh, we just, it was a beautiful day yesterday. The weather was gorgeous. And we just, you know, ate about at every restaurant we saw. And, uh, you know, I had a big time. But we were trying to find, you know, the piers or this place or that place. So your pastor was, was driving us. And there were signs, there were roads that were closed and detours and all kinds of different things. So he couldn't really figure out the signs. So, you know, he had three people in the car, his wife, my wife. And, of course, they had a lot of opinions. (laughs) (laughs) And so nobody could really discern the signs. So when my wife can't help me, I always call my girlfriend. So... (laughs) You know, my girlfriend is getting directions for us. I'm Siri. You know Siri. Siri is is, is I I tell Heidi that Siri's my girlfriend because she's always telling me what to do too. You know, you, you 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 put you put the destination and Siri says in one half of a mile, take exit whatever. You know, in 200 feet, turn right. And if you ever disobey Siri. She says, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, you know. And then I start talking back to her. Mind your own business, mind your own business. Now, I never talk back to my wife. I always say, yes, dear, to Heidi, but to Siri. Anyway, so we're trying to figure out a sign. And we finally got to our destination. We went in circles for a while. I told your pastor I need to be delivered when I got out of the car. Hallelujah. But, but anyway... God wants to give you a sign that you understand see most Christians don't understand the depth of the sign so they think yeah I'm saved but they're sometimes not sure they put their head on the pillow because they know themselves according to the flesh and they think oh man boy I was kind of naughty today my flesh got a little riled I said some bad things I did some bad things Whatever." then they think I wonder if I'm even saved that's the way Christians think sometimes because they they need somebody to help them see the sign Uh, my youngest son Josh who's a a pastor now he's a precious uh, you know teacher and Bible teacher and and he had a went a few days ago to see a friend from high school and uh, when Josh grew up with this friend his his this friend's mother couldn't hear very well so she always had sign language and we did a lot of things. hired had a very precious friends through the years and did a lot of things with this precious family, strong believers and beautiful people. And this lady passed away a few years ago. But I love to watch her do sign language. Now, when I see sign language, it's, I don't have a clue. I don't know what's going on. You know, what I, mean? I need somebody to interpret. It's like when I'm in the Middle East with Saeed Deeb and I'm driving. Your pastor's with me, following Saeed Deeb. Saideb, he's 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 crazy on the roads. And so I I follow in like fashion. Hallelujah. And your pastor is praying, oh God, hallelujah, have mercy. <laughs> and uh, we're going through, but I, I don't know the signs, they're all in Arabic. I, I don't, you know, I need somebody to interpret things to me. See, the people who don't have their heart astonished with the love and the acceptance they have before the Father, not even based on you. Until it grips your soul, then you're not seeing the sign correctly. So here's what happened. Look at the Bible. It says this will be the sign to you. You're going to find a baby. The, 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 the baby is the sign. And the baby is wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. So the sign is the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. See, when Jesus died, he was wrapped in linen cloth. And he was laid in a tomb hewn or cut out of a rock. And a stone was rolled in front of it. The Bible records it very clearly. The picture that the shepherds had to see, because they were shepherds and they knew what a trough was or a manger was. A manger is a trough like a watering or a feeding trough for animals. In those days it was cut out of stone. And so the picture of the sign was the love of God in the life of God for the death of one for all. So the picture, if it grips your soul, changes you. And we can see how it changed the shepherd boys. Now think about the shepherd boys. They weren't the theologians of the day. They weren't the do-gooders. I'm sure they were like this little guy when I was a farm boy in Michigan. Rough around the edges. Actually, rough to the core. Hallelujah. You know, you know the, but the beautiful thing was, the picture of the love of God shacks your system. And you say, you've got to be kidding me. The love of God in Christ is that rich and that real and see what happens to them. See, the, the life of Jesus in the sign shows you that God is good to you. Jesus shows you the will of God in action. Jesus is the perfect picture of the Father. Everything interpreted about the Father apart from Jesus Christ is a skewed view. It's distorted. Jesus is the perfect picture of the Father. So the life of Jesus shows you God is good to you. But the death of Jesus shows you that you are good to God. See, your righteousness before God is the Lamb of God. Faith gets you out of understanding yourself based on yourself to move you in Christ and understanding yourself in Him. Paul said that I might be found in Him, not having my own nothing righteousness according to me but the righteousness which is by faith in jesus christ see if your mind can be be absolutely like a sponge and your heart can be like a sponge and just suck up all the reality of the sign it changes you and until you come to the place of that kind of astonishment then i would say look again look harder And have somebody unveil it in a way that grips you. Because until your heart's gripped, you'll never allow the fullness of what God wants to say or do through you. It can't manifest in in its correct clarity. So it says the sign will be the baby wrapped and swallowing clothes lying in the manger. So the life of Jesus, picturing the death of Jesus, so all of us can have a righteous position before the Father. And this is what's so beautiful. So it says now in Luke 2, verse 15, just a couple of verses later, it says, So it was when the angels had gone away from there that the shepherds said one to another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see the thing, see the sign. I tell people, you know, as believers, you have to daily take time to go from your circumstances and see the sign. I take time to behold the Lamb constantly in my waking hours at night. Or my daytime hours of frustration of life. I take time and pause and I take time and behold the Lamb of God. And remind of myself of my position before the Father in Christ. That's what encourages me. It's what strengthens me. It what thrills me. God's love and acceptance of me. So it goes on to say, let's go to Bethlehem and see the sign that's come to pass. The Lord made known to us. Verse 17 goes on to say this. When they had seen the sign, when they had seen Jesus, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning the child or the sign. And all those who heard it marveled at those things told them by the shepherds. When's the last time you marveled really at the gospel? Or is, or is it just like a routine? Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, church stuff. Yeah, the gospel. But when, when's the last time your heart's just been marveled? I, I, I find that if I'm not marveling at the gospel, I'm not very effective in ministry. In fact, I'm not very effective sharing the gospel if I'm not marveling at the beauty of what God has done for me in Christ. So I take time more than anything else to be astonished. There's a mystery of God in Christ that is unexplainable. And that's what's beautiful about the unending beauty of God's love in Christ. They checked out the sign and allowed the sign to astonish them. And the love of God to transform them so they couldn't help but convey to others the wonderful redeeming love of the life and death of Jesus. They shared the love. Notice their sharing the love wasn't awkward. It wasn't clumsy. It wasn't religious. It wasn't judgmental. It wasn't fake. But it was real. It was authentic. It was joyous. And it had transforming results because the people they shared it to. Absolutely marveled. They were astonished at what they heard. Here's some little thoughts, real quick, that I want to share with you of what you can do to process the beauty of the sign of Jesus' life and death and how it will affect you and really how it equips you to share the love as an overflow. I used to, you know, in the old days, you know early, early days of ministry, and even before I went to ministry, I had to psych myself up. You know, I put myself on this plan that I had to witness to so many people. I had to do this. And, but my form of witnessing was always to tell people that they're going to hell and that they're sinners. And they're, You know, I would tell them they're going to hell before I really knew them. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> Because that, that was my methodology. You know, and it, it was done probably from a good heart. But you know how many people really liked my approach to them? None. You know, it was always kind of uncomfortable. So I had to eventually psych myself up to do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's see who we can abuse today and hopefully we can win one. You know what I mean? And tell them what losers. And so God had to work with me over time to present the gospel like the shepherds. Now, these shepherds weren't well trained in Scripture. But everyone who saw them marveled. The Bible says they were astonished. That's a sign. See, the gospel has to astonish us. Here's some simple reflections or thought about the process. Number one, they experienced astounding grace. Do you know, Jesus is the grace of God. And when I use the term grace, I'm talking about just simply one thing. The unmerited favor of the Father toward you that you find only in Christ. Jesus is the grace of God. And they were astounded with the grace of God. John 1, 17 says this, For the law, that's the first covenant, was given through Moses. That was one that you had to really qualify to, to do to be blessed based on your effort in doing. And it, it was a rough road. But Jesus came and, and, and established a new covenant based on the promise of himself. And it says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So they were astounded at it. I looked at astounding up in the dictionary. It means to be overwhelmed with amazement. Let me ask you, in the last seven days, when have you been overwhelmed with amazement about your position before the Father? I mean, does it ever grip you or is it just not part of your thinking? I want to come to a place where every day at some time in my day, I'm astounded. Like, it's, you've got to be kidding me. I want to be, when I wake up in the night, and unfortunately I wake up in the night, sometimes fear thoughts grip me about life or ministry or whatever. <laughs> what I want to do is shift myself to the sign of the Lamb of God and, and be astounded in the nighttime hours. I want to be astonished that I'm so loved and accepted, and it's all because of the Lamb, the Lamb of God who has come to show me in his life that God is good to me, and to show me in his death that I am good to God is the most beautiful thing. So it means to be overwhelmed with amazement. It means to be greatly shocked or have great wonder or surprise. And uh, to be effective and authentic in sharing the love, you must stay astounded with the grace of Jesus Christ. The gift of Jesus is the gift of God's grace to each and every one of us. Secondly, after they experienced astounding grace, they experienced abounding grace. Abounding grace is something that uh, that grows. Abounding means to occur in great quantities, to be rich or well supplied, to be filled to the brim, to be overflow. Once you're astounded with something, you abound in something. In other words, you grow in it. You grow in the grace of God, and it's very very important that we put ourselves in a position. Where we don't have the mindset, oh, yeah, I know this, I know that, oh, yeah, I know about the cross, I know about the birth of Jesus, yeah, I know about that. Bible. But will we stay where we're growing in the grace of God's love and acceptance of us? Here's what the Bible says in Romans 5:17, For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive. Everybody say receive. receive. Notice something you receive is something you don't work for. Something you receive is just something that's gift granted. You receive an abundance of grace. See, you can receive more than just a little dabble, do you? You can get so loaded with the grace of God, you're a little bit goofy. What I mean by that is you don't let the flesh have a dictation anymore of your, your existence or your life or anything. You let the work of Jesus just absolutely, in, you know... And grip every part of your life. You receive an abundance of grace. And notice what else you receive. The gift of righteousness. See, I'm training my mind that my righteousness before the Father is a gift and a gift alone. Now, i got to teach myself that because I've, I've brought a lot of me into the equation. But really, the perfect equation before the Father is Jesus plus nothing. Just be in Him, you're there. Hallelujah. Get you everything. Look at this. You receive the abundance of grace, you receive the gift of righteousness, then you reign in life. My victories in my life, whether it's in marriage, with kids, with family, with assignments, my victories is all based on me receiving the reality of the favor of the Father and my righteousness as a gift. I believe it. I believe it, and I proclaim it, and that's what makes me bubble up now. So now when I see the precious ones who are trapped in their flesh with addictions and problems in sin, now I don't preach them, I preach Him. I don't tell them what losers they are, I tell them who He is, and who they are in Him. If they can, by faith, move over, then their addictions, their sins, their struggles, their fleshly failures... They can get victory over through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I try to get them to understand if they can believe it. See, that's what's astonishing. You mean I can be righteous before God as I am? By faith you can. But once you move in and you behold the Lamb of God and you understand the heart and life and character and nature of Jesus Christ, you're conformed to the image of He he is. And you're not going to have the same desires. Your flesh will not have a dominance over you. There's victory for you in Christ. And that's the beauty of being a believer in sharing the gospel. Look at it, it says in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. The Bible says but grow in grace. You grow in it. How? Through the knowledge. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So always be receiving. Always be receiving knowledge of Jesus. That's why it's good to always hang out on Sundays. Come to church. Be faithful. Come, if you can, midweek, Bible study. Come, fellowship with one another. Find a place where you're planted and receive the knowledge of the Lamb of God. Because, see, grace is granted in greater capacities through the knowledge of Jesus and when you humble yourself. The only way you can humble yourself is have no confidence in your flesh. That's why I put no confidence in my flesh for any bitter righteousness before God. Jesus is my everything. Now, I live a very righteous life among men, because righteousness among men has great payment and payday. And it gives the, place no de- no, the devil no place in your life. But my righteousness before the Father is the Lamb of God. And I'm, I'm, I'm growing in grace. I humble myself to the reality of who Jesus is. He's everything. And when you do that, you grow. You grow in grace. So you astound. You're astounded by grace. Then you abound in grace. And then... Uh, then uh, when you live this way, you get uh, some a little bit of ridicule, you know. Sometimes, you know, it's interesting when you get excited about Jesus. You know, people people can nitpick you a little bit. I, I I learned once I started going in ministry all over the world. You know, I had a lot of, and still do probably, have a lot of people who don't like me. You know, they don't like the way I preach. They don't like what I preach. I remember years ago, in uh, in Liberia, we had an office there from 1985 to 1990 and team and there was a mission organization there came against our ministry because our ministry just just blossomed in the whole nation and because of television and they didn't like what i was preaching i was preaching on faith in christ and all things are possible so this this mission group came up against me and said i was uh, like in a, a cult leader and stuff like that and that i was hyper they said i'm hyper faith I'm hyperfaith. So, you know, I was young, and it bugged me, you know, that people didn't like me. So, anyway, when I went to uh, Liberia, I found this mission organization. I went to this guy's house and uh, knocked on the door. He came to the door. I said, hi. He knew who I was. He was very still. (laughs) I said, I just want you to know I really appreciate you, really appreciate what you're doing, sharing the gospel. You're really You're really awesome. And I gave him a big offer, biggest one I could have back then, which wasn't much, but it was enough he could, and his wife. I said, you and your wife, just have a great, great meal somewhere. The best place you can find in, in, in and just have a great, great meal. appreciate you sharing the gospel. And then I left, and he never, I never heard any more criticism from me. He, he, he took the money. Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I thought, why, why do people criticize? I had one guy one time after a church service out in the lobby of this church. He says, I can't stand the way you preach. Now he was a pastor. (laughs) I can't stand. And I thought to myself, he says, all your alliteration, you're so simple. You don't preach the deep stuff. You're so simple. And you're a faith. You're one of these hyper faith guys. You're telling people all things are possible and only believe and believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. You're hyper faith. And I thought, well, okay, you know, cool. (laughs) So through the years, when you behold the Lamb of God, you, 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 get, you get judgment sometimes. Then years later, you know, I, people say, Keith, you're hyper-grace. You're just, you always tell people they're standing before the Father is not them. They're standing before the Father of Jesus. Keith, you always say, Jesus is God's opinion of you. You're hyper-grace. Keith, you don't preach sin hard enough. You don't preach it, you know, strong enough. You, you, you're hyper-grace. Okay, sorry. You know, I, I didn't know how to, you know, answer my accusers. And then in recent years, now it's hyper love. Keith, you're a hyper love preacher. Everything's love, 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 love. Keith, you always say God loves you completely. I'm so sick of hearing that. You, you know, why don't you get onto the deeper things of life? And I say, usually the the depth and width and breadth and length and height of the love of God, that's pretty good for me. Hallelujah. If I can just kind of drown in that mess, I'm happy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But then I thought, how do I answer all my accusers? Because Jesus, all I'm doing is looking at the sign. I'm looking at the sign, at the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And it astonishes me. So then God showed me how to answer people. Look at what it says in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says, and the grace. Everybody say grace. grace. Remember, it's unmerited favor. It's got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with Jesus. And you get it all just because you're in him. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant. That means you keep growing in it. With faith. Everybody say faith. faith. And love. Everybody say love. Grace, faith, love. Say it. Grace, faith, love. Grace, faith, love. Which are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the sign. And if you can absolutely just be as goofy as a shepherd boy... And get loaded with the sign of God. You know what you're going to get loaded with? You're going to get loaded with the faith of God. You're going to get loaded with the grace of God. You're going to get loaded with the love of God. Because in Christ Jesus, you get the faith of God, the grace of God, and the love of God. You get it all. I'm hyper Jesus. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. More and more of Jesus. More and more of what he's done. And whoever says whatever they say, hallelujah. I'm going to love them and tell them who they are in Christ. Number three, real quick. After astounding grace and abounding grace, they experience resounding grace. In other words, it broadcasts from you. You know, the Bible says that God is in you, crying through you. Be reconciled. That's what the Bible teaches. You don't even have to work on it yourself. You don't need a preacher's voice. You don't need nothing but you. And you let what's bubbling over you say something. Because it will speak of the Lamb. It will speak of the Lamb of God. Resounding grace. That means making an echoing sound. A resounding sound. To utter loudly. Impressively thorough. Complete. Sometimes recently I went to a, a Rose Bowl game about two years ago. It was like a national championship game or something. And my cousin came to California, he invited me to go, my son and another guy, and four of us were there. We park in Pasadena, and there's these long lines you go through to get to the bus that hauls you to the Rose Bowl. So we're in these lines, and as you get on the bus, there's this group of people preaching the gospel. But, you know, the gospel wasn't the sign that astonished. The gospel was, what's wrong with you? So everything... We're all going to hell, you know, and we're all sinners, and we all looked at somebody wrong, and we all had something, you know, and it was all qualifying to be, you know, you know, the, the whole feeling of the whole environment was like, yikes, you know, and so we all run through this whole thing, and I, found, I, I said to myself, I said, I said to my son, Josh, I said, Josh, is this, is this how I preach the gospel? Is this how you preach the gospel? He said, no, Dad, we, 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 we unveil. The love of the Lamb. We tell people who they are in Christ. That they don't qualify. That they're pre-approved. And this is, what, this is what the shepherds did. They talked about the life and the death of Jesus. And everybody marveled. Listen, if you're not marveling at the gospel you believe, maybe you need to see the sign more clearly. If you're not marveling at your standing before the Father, even in the frailty of your flesh, you need to see the gospel clearly. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is about what he has done on your behalf that absolutely grants you the gift of faith, the gift of love, the gift of grace, the gift of righteousness. Everything you need in him. And this is the good news. Their lives were telling the story of Jesus. Announcing to people their reconciled innocence. Praise the Lord. I preach way too long. Did you have a good time today? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Can you do that?